0: Two guys, two topics, two two opinions, two, talk. give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280, the zone and the zone sports network. Yeah, no, thank you for that question. As you can imagine, I anticipated that question. I'm putting on (laughs) my reading glasses because I wrote down a few notes (laughs) because there's a lot to talk about here. So listen, success in football is really important to the Pac-12. So I'm going to spend a few minutes going through this. I'll start by stating my deep belief that the Pac 12 can consistently compete and win for both football and men's basketball titles without jeopardizing our shared commitment to academic excellence or the well being of the student athletes. Uh, My work on football will begin, as I mentioned, with meetings with the ADs and coaches and with my new colleagues at the conference office. I I believe personally the solution to elevating Pac 12 football is a combination of addressing structural issues and a more focused approach on recruiting. Gordon
1: that is the new Pac12 conference commissioner George Klavkov close I've been kind of trying to practice
0: uh, uh, Klavkov is it, is it is it is that what it is 71% Klavkov I watched the press conference but I uh, is the the eligible George Klavkov Klavkov George
1: Klavkov all right, so uh, rewind some shows to a couple of weeks ago when you and I, Gordon, were talking, uh, or actually, Gordon, you might have been out. This might have been uh, uh, while uh, Austin and I were talking about this, but John Wilner wrote uh, an update on the search where he talked about how there's kind of, he he talked about other stuff, but really that there's two competing interests in the type of person that they wanted for the Pac-12 mm-hmm. commissioner. the The athletic departments were clamoring for uh, kind of an administrative guy who is going to be on campus and working with campus and all those types of administrative things that Larry Scott was not. Mm. The other side is we need somebody who is going to scrape up every nickel that's not nailed down. (laughs) So there were these two competing interests, and obviously they didn't think they could find somebody who could do both, and ultimately good old-fashioned American greed won out and uh, the Pac-12 t- today hires George Kliavkov, whose uh, background is George Kliavkov. Uh, there's some sports in there certainly, but it's it's mainly in media and industry, entertainment. Uh, MGM. He's uh, let's see, he was uh, with MGM uh, Resorts International. Uh, he started there in 2018 as president of sports and entertainment. Uh, he's worked with the uh, he's uh, worked as a board of governors with the WNBA. Um, you know he's got uh, he's got a really nice resume when it comes to business, and he's going to be somebody in if the Pac-12 is doing this right. That is somebody that can go in and negotiate the best deal possible right. from a media perspective. That's and that his resume would say that.
0: Yes, and that's what it's all about. That and uh, you know fixing football is an emphasis, although he you know. He was a rower in college, which was reminiscent of Larry Scott, who was a tennis player, uh, the king of the small sport. Um, but he, you he heard him there talk about fixing football and uh, and and making money. That's what this is really about. Oh, and by the way, uh, w- the student athlete has to, you know, a- an advancement in the student athlete experience. I don't but think- making money and fixing football, which go hand in hand. And getting wider distribution of the network, and which is, goes back to football and making money. Well, one thing Wilner talked about was this, this idea of
1: a co-commissioner, which I don't think was ever going to happen. But the, the, the concept of the idea is, I think, a good one. Uh, keep an eye on who uh, George hires as his lieutenants, because he needs to hire somebody who's going to be uh, handle the administrative end. The athletic departments have a point. You know they were they were ignored and they're not operating at maximum efficiency as a as a, an athletic conference. Yeah. So he needs to he does need to have that side of the job covered. So look look out for who he hires there because that's going to have the most impact on day to day athletics and who can quote unquote fix football. It's not going to be this
0: guy. I don't. Yeah. And you bring up a good point there. You don't have to be a former All Pro player to to be able to get the job done. He just needs to be able to manage the whole thing and put the right people in place to make it happen. Because, and that's one of the thing, things I liked about the way he presented himself today was when he used to talk to Larry Scott, it was like he was whistling in the dark. You know? This guy like, might be whistling in the dark, too. Oh, I'm, I'm reserving I, no, no, judgment. Well, okay. Oh, you're, that's a good point also. But he, he seems to see the problems and acknowledge them. Recognize them, acknowledge them, because that's what you have to do first to fix them. And uh, then he has to put the right people in place to get those things done. His his background in uh, in, in entertainment, in network stuff, in digital, uh, I think will help him maybe in negotiation. Because heavens know he needs to get that fixed. I mean, that's costing the Pac-12 a lot of money and, uh, you know. That, that has to be repaired. And then also his emphasis on recruiting and football. I mean, nobody cares about the Pac-12 right now. And by nobody, I don't mean everybody. I, I just mean that uh, you look at the championships since 2004 when SC won its, the last Pac-12 championship. It's all centered in the southeast. It's all there. Or Ohio State. Or Texas, maybe, in there, too. But this is something that uh, the Pac-12 is a non-factor. It's been forgotten, for for the most part. And he he said that, and he was asked about that right away, and he uh, didn't get specific. He said that he thinks the Pac-12, I mean the uh, college football playoff, should be expanded, but the Pac-12 needs to fix its football programs so that if they do get included, they can do something once they're there. Because I'm not sure. How worthy these teams have been of late. So okay, so we
1: we were hard on on Lair Bear for a while and deservedly so, and lost in all the the moronicity of of his recent years. We have kind of gone away from holding these individual athletic departments accountable, yeah. and that needs. I mean, you know, uh, George Klyavkov is going to go out there and try and fix those revenue streams, and I'm sure he's going to do his best doing it. But what are you doing with the money when it rolls in? And, you know, you look at USC, which has been just horribly mismanaged uh, from an athletic department uh, perspective. Uh, Cal is, is... Crazy in debt, as is UCLA. I mean, these athletic departments have been run uh, terribly. Give give Chris Hill uh, and now Mark Harlan some credit as they've made the transition into the big leagues by you know at least seemingly being pretty fiscally responsible when uh, you know advancing and growing. And you know, for Utah's sake, you hope that continues. But other other universities have have not been that way. At some point, you know these these individual athletic departments and football programs. Need to to start pulling their weight, you know, like hire the right head coaches and staff and and guys that are going to go do the job.
0: That would help. That would help. But in order to do that, it's it's a chicken egg thing. I mean, because if you don't have the exposure, if you don't have the reputation, then it's difficult to recruit. And if you don't get the recruits, because even California schools are having guys taken right out from under them. And they're going other places. And so that has to be repaired. So is it is it the exposure and the prestige that precedes the, the success in recruiting or is it the success in recruiting that precedes the other? Uh, it's it's kind of a mess right now. And, they, and, and we're speaking in relative terms here. We're talking about top level college football. Well, here's the thing. You
1: can you can start with easy stuff and then move on. Right. Here, here's the easiest one of all. Uh, stop selling uh, scholarships to rich, privileged celebrities. That's number one. That's an it, easy it's, one. That's Jake, an easy one. We, yeah. Stop, stop doing that. Stop prioritizing putting money in your own pocket. So there's, there's one. That's pretty okay, easy. Yeah. Number two, the layup programs, the layup football programs that even uh, a halfwit moron could coach and run, like USC. <laughs> Get somebody with half a brain in there who can actually win football games. Yeah. And I know that, uh, you know, Clay Helton, the, the new athletic director that decided to keep him on because of all the other scandals that are going on there. But find somebody who's going to win football games at the easiest places to win football games and then move down from there. And and I don't know how you encourage. And we're picking on USC a little bit here, but it's the poster child for it. I don't know how you encourage that athletic. Probably. Like, get it together. And start winning because a moron could recruit to USC. You would
0: think so, uh, but it's gotten a little more difficult in recent years. It shouldn't be. I know. So it shouldn't uh, be. But get rid it, of that. Get rid of that excuse. Yeah. And get, here,
1: here's step one for USC: go back to running the football. Your USC.
0: Oh, I don't know about that, but you certainly can thrive at the game. SC is one. Well, I went back and checked since 1920. There have been sixteen national champions from the Pac-12, uh, Pac-12 schools now. And USC is by far the most common. I mean, and they've, they've been stumbling and bumbling around.
1: UCLA has sucked for years. They have zero excuses to suck. Yeah. You know, you can't recruit to Cal? I've been to Berkeley.
0: Pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, but look at the stadiums. And, three, oh, my gosh.
1: Empty. But, but see, that's them getting in their own way. Here's, here's what I'm talking about when we need to hold athletic departments accountable. Cowell spent millions on a stadium renovation. I've been there since. You've been there since. It's still a dump. <laughs> what are these people spending this money on? I, I, I don't know. And then it just is a snowball effect, right? And then you can't hire the right coach. And then that coach
0: can't put the program uh, where it needs to be. As you know... Jake, I have a a son-in-law who is a wide receiver at Auburn, and he's told me what it's like to go into that stadium and see the seats full, see the energy involved around the program and compare that to an average Saturday evening or afternoon or Thursday night or Friday night, whatever, in a Pac-12 building. I mean, it's just – uh, aside from the actual structure uh, of the of the buildings they are not football is not being celebrated in the Pac12 the way it it should be and and I think winning is what is what spurs that Oregon you know I mean that build I I've been to Oregon that many times but I've been there four or five times every time I was there the stadium full. was full yeah. you go here at Utah Stadium is usually pretty full. They always claim sellouts, but I see some empty seats on occasion. But there's energy around the program. What about Cal? What about Stanford? Stanford should, I mean, uh, it's just kind of a weird phenomenon. And so if you're a five-star athlete and you have a coach sitting in front of you who may or may not have a winning record, even though he comes from a traditionally strong program, and he says, come play for me, and then they look at the energy around that program versus other programs and where he has options because he has options to go anywhere he wants.
1: There, there are some built-in disadvantages for these Pac-12 schools if we're comparing it to the SEC.
0: You mean there's like other things to do there's other, other th- than go to a football game? That's,
1: that's kind of the, the obvious one. But also, uh, you know, you look at uh, San Francisco, for example, we're talking about Cal and Stanford. That's an NFL town. I mean, where where do Cal and Stanford come in on the interest scale in the Bay Area? Uh, they're below they're below the Niners. They're below the Giants. Uh, probably, I don't know, is uh, the Sharks still big in that area? Probably below them. The Earthquakes? Well,
0: certainly below the Warriors. The Sharks, every game is sold out for the Sharks, even though they're not as good as they once were. How about the San Jose Quakes? Never heard of them
1: um uh, well, la's a little have, different because usc is king i mean that's the exception that proves the rule but uh, you know in phoenix that's
0: an nfl town now well ucla plays in the rose bowl so it's kind of hard to fill it up but uh, still there's there's a good number of fans there oh i mean the,
1: the fact that ucla has been so bad for so long is just inexcusable <laughs> it is it is it, it's inexcusable you know, Nick Saban gets way more credit than he deserves because he's at an easy place to win, but at least he's smart enough to play his advantages.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's going on at Colorado? You Another know? place that should be easy Arizona, to win. Arizona State should be better than it is.
1: Arizona's a tough one because that's a basketball school and they'll never get the support that the basketball team
0: gets. Yeah, Arizona why, State, why State a, I agree do with you. people say that. Utah used to be a basketball school.
1: Uh at that level, at Arizona level? Well,
0: it was Utah had strong basketball. Well, programs, now so now we
1: can get into some theories. I think the I think the Utah Jazz have taken a large bite out of the college basketball interest in this market. I mean,
0: probably so cuz when you compare the level of play, it's uh, substandard right. obviously at the college. And hey, they
1: I mean they're still putting plenty of folks in the seats down there at the Marriott Center. And one of Craig Smith's charges up at the Huntsman Center is to put more butts in the seats. So we'll see how it goes. Oh, well, if they
0: get that cold that cold air problem fixed up there. Up
1: in Logan, you know, the
0: spectrum can be the spectrum again.
1: But, you know, you know the,
0: I mean, if you ever want to be cold, come to section, what was it, Q? Q. Come to section Q. But in the
1: SEC, for example, I mean, there there are all these you know small town university college town type things where it's this beacon to come back to your youth and you know all this stuff that uh, that folks do as their fans in that part of the in that part of the. That's country. all true, but if you win, if you if it, it helps. I'm not discounting that. Yeah, you. yeah. I, I I'm mean, with if you. you're
0: in the in the running for a national championship, people are going to come watch you play. I, I think, and it uh, happens a little more. Well, long
1: often it, down that way. To bring this uh, a, a conversation to a uh, to a good uh, pausing point, because we'll talk about it throughout the show. It's this guy's gig to go get the resources. That's what he. That's why he was hired is to go get those resources. I, me personally, we'll we'll see how he does, but I'm I'm moving my focus onto these individual athletic departments. And if we're going to talk about making the Pac-12 a better conference, well, let's start let's start by some of these universities need to get out of their own way and start making some good decisions.
0: I think it's a double-barreled deal. I, I think you have to have leadership at the top uh, of the conference. But you obviously what you're saying is the ground level, go get them, go get those athletes and put them together and coach them up and get them going, get them motivated, get them playing well. Uh, that's obviously the challenge. You know, the, one, one last thing. Every time we talk about this kind of thing, though, I have this nagging pain about what it takes to win in college, major college sports now. And you kinda have to cheat, don't you? Uh no. You don't? No. You really don't think so? Hope not. Based on my conversations with a whole lot of people out there, there sure seems to be a lot of it going on. Wit's winning. You think Wits out there cheating? Kalani had a heck of a year. You think he's out there cheating? I I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Well, they're winning. I haven't investigated it. But I do know that there are people in the know who have told me that there is a whole lot of cheating going on. I'm not making any accusations. Come on. I don't know. I don't know. But it's kind of like when you had guys hitting 65, 70 home runs. uh, Suddenly you're suspicious a little bit. Okay, so
1: know. my takeoff on that would be, well, then cheat better, because you suck at it. <laughs> because everybody's doing it. All right, uh, Gordon, Utah Jazz, last night they lose to the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, can I can I give you a, a, a humble brag here for a minute? Sure, you predicted it correctly. Uh, yeah, I, I did not think the Jazz would win that game. But I, I did say to Tim Lacombe before the game started, I said Rudy's going to have a big game tonight, and I predicted – Tim goes. What's going to be the line? I said 15, and three. Which order? Points, twenty rebounds, blocks, points, rebounds, <laughs> blocks, and I was kind of right. He had kind fifteen, of. twenty, and then one. But that one might as well have been three because that was a great block. Twenty rebounds, though, that's pretty good. You
0: have your thoughts on the game. <laughs> your thoughts on the game, Gordon yeah, when the jazz uh, shoot 30 percent from three, they're not going to win a whole lot of games. True. they are just missing their stars. I, I mean that I know that's an excuse, but that team last night in that second half whoa, sorry. Uh, that team last night in the second half just what's the word? fell asleep.
1: Oh, I think they're a little spent. Uh, yeah. Something you've brought up the last couple of days, I, I think is true. Without their guys, they're burning out the other guys. Yeah. And I thought the I thought the team looked really tired. But you know, they're just they're really thin right now. And again, I, I I so don't want to be so mean to Trent Forrest. I'm not trying to. I think he's got a lot yeah. of potential. But the the fact that he's out there playing 20 minutes is is tough because when he's out there, they're
0: playing four on five because yeah, they're not great, guarding him at that's all. That's a great observation. And yeah, it's difficult to really. <laughs> When teams want you to shoot, yeah, it's reminiscent of the old Ricky Rubio days. Yeah,
1: but but even with Rubio, they would pretend, you know, they'd be like, <laughs> "Well, I might get out there and close out, I guess." With Trent, they were, yeah. you know, they were saying, "We we would like you to take this shot, so mm-hmm. we're going to go ahead and get ready for the rebound." And it's just, uh, uh, again, not to to pick on him because it just is a rotation thing, you know. Trent Forrest is the what, tenth, eleventh guy on the roster, Maybe. ninth, you know. Yeah. Right, I mean, there's there there's a reason that they're down that far, and the fact that they're in the NBA means that they're uh, unbelievably good, but it, it's tough. It's tough, and we talked about it yesterday, and I, I thought last night was was the perfect example of it, when Joe Ingles and George Niang uh, are in the starting lineup, they're not playing with the reserve unit, right? Uh, certainly as much, and if you compare George, or excuse me, you compare Joe Ingles to Trent Forrest. Joe Ingles is a way better player. Certainly, a way more complete player. Filling the same,
0: so similar role.
1: Right. Yep. So it's. I, I'm not not trying to make excuses for the club. Portland's red hot, and they made a bunch of shots, like like Rudy said. But, I mean, they're just. They're missing their guys. They're crazy thin, and it's catching up to them. They
0: are, but, uh, it, I mean, I understand that guys are tired. I mean, but Royce O'Neill last night played 31 minutes was one of eight. And and I, and I know but, that, but
1: he's chasing Damian
0: Lillard I, around I, the whole I, game. I understand it. We can make excuses for him all we want, but he shot one of eight. And I know that Locke hates uh, focusing on, on field goal percentage, but he was over 3 from three. And that you just can't get by with that. Not when uh, Joe Ingles is making 4 of 13, you know? And, and then, like you said, Force 1 of 9. So it's a combination of the guy who probably isn't ready yet. I don't know. He'd probably take the probably right out of there. But other guys who you would expect to be better, Bogdanovich, 5 of 14, that's just not good enough. 12 points, that's not good enough. That's not even good enough when Donovan and Mike are playing. But like you said, they they might be worn down because the Jazz, in protecting uh, their two all two of their all stars, are leaning on darn near everybody else. Yeah, Joe Ingles. You
1: just he played thirty two minutes last night. You know that's that's pushing it for Joe Clarkson. I mean, the Jazz would have gotten crunched if it weren't for Jordan Clarkson. Yeah, uh, who had a great game again twenty nine points, uh, eleven of seventeen shooting, three of eight from three.
0: And yet when he was on the floor,
1: he's a minus sixteen. But look who he's playing with, because yeah. he's the guy coming off the he's the guy coming off the bench. I get it. So he's the it. guy who's being double teamed because they don't have to guard Trent
0: Forrest. <laughs> <laughs> that was an ugly game. I just it was. If 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 that was the team that the Jazz had all season long, they yeah they are they're, they're a, a questionable playoff team. They need, oh, if that! They need their guys back. I yeah. mean, they do just for all the reasons you already said. Because if your if you're if your bench guys are starting, then who's going to replace them? So you have a a double whammy. Obviously, Joe and George are going to have a hard time replacing Mike and Donovan. But then, but even if Trent, they can, yeah. who's Trent, replacing yes. them?
1: Sorry, I jumped on no, you. I got no, no, excited there, no, Gordon. No, you're exactly I was, right. I, I was into it. <clears throat> you were saying.
0: <laughs> no, exactly what you said. <laughs> exactly what you said. Uh, well said, my thank friend. Thank you.
1: Sorry about that.
0: Got so, in, I was
1: just getting into it.
0: You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know whether the Jazz are going to get that number one seat or not. What, what's the probability down? I don't
1: know. I, I'll i have to. Uh, I'm sure Ben's got one out there. It was 97% yesterday. They're,
0: they're going to get it. Listen. You think o- o- Phoenix is going to lose to Portland?
1: It doesn't matter because Oklahoma City is trying to lose, and Sacramento on the last night. No, D- no, De'Aaron Fox. That's not going to happen. He's out on protocols. He's actually out for like two weeks. So well, he's not I would normally play.
0: agree with that, but I watched the game last night. Portland's the hottest team in the league. We're not talking about the
1: Kings, the Kings, as they say. I think Jazz will win both of their last two games. Okay. So it won't matter what Phoenix does.
0: But they're still playing the same guys that are all tired and worn down. And, uh, and replacing playing the are, Thunder. And replacing the guys who are replacing Who the guys that are replacing the
1: guys are better than the Thunder. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Boy.
1: If the Thunder get Neither a lead. You got it bad. If the Thunder get a lead against the Jazz. Uh, the, the Who is the coach of the Thunder? I almost said Billy Donovan. Who's no. the coach there now? Uh, anyway. He's going to pull a Norman Dale. Be like, put four players out there and be like, my team's on the floor. (laughs) You mean Mark Daniel? That one, yeah. They've lost 21 of 22. Again, they're losing on purpose. You think they really want to lose. Yes, I think they're losing on purpose. They've got a zillion draft picks. Imagine if they can uh, get a really high one the hard way.
0: Never saw a draft pick make a jumper.
1: Well, number one picks have made lots of jumpers. Yeah, I guess. You look at Depends these direction picks, you're looking at it from. <laughs> the number one picks over the years, they've made a ton of uh, of jumpers.
0: Do you think jazz fans are concerned about this team, or is it just like, ah, oh, no, Donovan will be back, Mike Conley will be back, if they in fact will be back? I mean, uh, but do you think jazz? What do you mean by concern? That's it. That's an interesting. That term. this team might not be as good as because remember, and Quinn likes to point this out that they. They had their share of success there at first, but teams are sort of figuring them out now as constituted. And I wonder how it will go when it all comes back together, if it does come back to, we, we it, Donovan Mitchell is a bit of a mystery. I don't think uh, you know. I don't know. I've heard a lot of speculation that, oh, yeah, he'll be back. He's ready to go. And then others say, wait a minute, he might miss some playoff games. I don't know. I don't know. He hasn't called me to tell me, you know, how he's feeling.
1: That's why concern's such a funny word. I, I think the Jazz have the capability when they're at their best. I think they can beat anybody. There's a lot that goes into being at your best, including some of the factors that you're, you're mentioning there. But, but I'm
0: starting to wonder whether what Joe Ingles said yesterday is true. Can Donovan Mitchell just come right back into the lineup without any kind of burp or belch or bump or skid? Why not? I don't know, I mean he hasn't been there, and i we have seen players who have been injured who come in and are just fired out of a like a rocket right from the beginning, and then we've seen other guys who' kind of struggled a little bit i don't know i'm not I'm not saying that it, it, that this is going to be trouble. I'm just wondering out loud. well,
1: uh all that concern will be better the better Donovan Zinko feels. <laughs> If, much, his ankle, if his ankle if his ankle is bothering him, then the the him reemerging with the team is probably not gonna go so well. No. If his ankle is better, then it's probably gonna go better than so, it would so, if it
0: wasn't. So what's the countdown now? How many more days does he have? He's uh, not play a week from a... Sunday. So we're looking at count that up for him. Is that eleven days? Ten days?
1: You're on your own here, Tiger. <laughs> I'm not gonna bail you out. <laughs>
0: Jake is anti-math.
1: I'm not going to do it quite on purpose.
0: Hey, uh, let me take my shoes off. I'll uh, count my toes. More
1: nag. Stay tuned. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.